0: You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural
1: skills, passions, and interests. Now, here's your host, Dirk Novell. Hello, everyone. This is Dirk Novell. On with me is a friend, Leif Johnson. Leif, welcome.
0: Hey, Dirk well good to have you good to yeah, have you.
1: Excuse yeah me. it's awesome to have you man i know we talked about this and i know you're super busy um and i really appreciate you taking the time leif um is a client of mine back in the day and i've known him in the business community and i remember him actually playing football at the university of washington and uh i have big respect for athletes at d1 level but uh he's just one of those guys when i met years ago i was really impressed uh super smart And he's in a really interesting um, career that I wanted to, you know, I haven't actually had anybody in his career yet. So I'm going to do my best to explain it and then I'm going to let Leif kind of get into detail. But he's in investment banking, specifically mergers and acquisitions on the sell side. And it's a very interesting career and actually one that I think if I could rewind the clock, I would have had a lot of interest in pursuing myself. So Leif, why don't we start with just how would you... Introduce yourself if you met somebody and they said, "What do you do?
0: Yeah, well, I'm the co-founder of a company called Liberty Ridge Advisors, where our headquarters are in Seattle, but what what I do is mergers and acquisitions with private enterprise. Uh, closely held businesses, we do mostly uh, what we call sell side m a and that's helping businesses when they get to a certain point uh, often start to explore options on exiting the business or could be recapitalizing the business with a new partner, taking a liquidity event. And sometimes it might be just growth equity. The business is really growing. And if we had additional capital, uh, there's lots of opportunities to be had. So it's it's kind of related in and around those those kind of three buckets. We do a little bit of buy side work too for companies, but I'd say those are the four areas of focus for Liberty Ridge and the work I do.
1: So I'm going to just really simplify and break it down for the audience so i hopefully i'm not going too simple for you but a, a company that let's just say you have an owner that's looking at selling his business he's been in it for 30 years and there's a lot that goes into the the deal they're gonna look for somebody like you to help represent them in the sale of that
0: yeah i like to kind of talk about it kind of we we kind of quarterback that set of activities. Uh, you know, like to tell tell folks and clients, I mean, there's there's really only two things that ultimately can happen with the business. It'll either die or it'll sell in some way, shape, or form. And what happens for us is we're oftentimes dealing with private businesses that are a pretty media, pretty good size, far larger than you generally than than what sometimes people default drive of private businesses is let's just let the employees buy the business over time or et cetera, or some of our key folks. They're too big. They're too big. And so you get to a point where you don't know exactly how to do it. And you're and, and they're also notable businesses that are getting approached by strategics and private equity on a very regular basis to be acquired or to be purchased. And so it gets to be a rather, confusing and difficult time to kind of understand what are the best ways to approach this? And of course, there's confidentiality that kind of hovers over the whole thing. You don't want anybody to think that you might be having these discussions because that can certainly affect the competitive landscape or bids that you might be having out in the marketplace or any number of certainly employees. There's a a concern always around employees thinking that something like this may be afoot. So, so there's just and then maybe lastly for the clients that we serve, they've never done it before. They've never often really done an, or a, a, done an, a, a business uh, sell of a business in this this magnitude. and so the stakes are really high. and uh, so that's often what we find our way into.
1: I love it. I remember when we were having lunch and I was really interested. I think I threw out a question that you probably hear or see sometimes is like, why doesn't the owner of the business just sell on their own? Why do they need somebody like you? And I remember you got into detail about all the things that could not, I want to say go wrong, but all the things that you might help facilitate. Can you just kind of touch on a couple of those? Cause I think it's interesting to hear, um, like the value proposition of somebody like yourself and why you're needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll it'll probably sell sell a little sound a little self serving. I don't intend it to be because it's actually if you kind of stand back and think about it, it's quite an interesting question. Um, first and foremost, the, the folks that we're dealing with for the most part have never really sold a business, certainly of that magnitude, uh, and, the, and where the the cards are stacked that significantly in terms of the, a balance sheet uh, situation for them personally. And I will say this: most Transactions and this is just tail research. I can't definitively pin my pin, pin it on this, but I think this is accurate. Most transactions do happen without an investment banker. Uh, unfortunately, from our view, they get approached and you get a term sheet and you send it to your lawyer. And before long, you're start you're kind of halfway into this deal and you're kind of waiting to see if it will actually trans trans transpire. Uh, what what we like to do is get in front of that and tell tell our clients hey you get one shot to do this one time and i guess we could even play it out and go backwards if if you're running a company and you get a term sheet well that certainly feels good usually and you send it to your lawyer and he starts to kind of massage it and think about it and redline it and you're kind of you know there, there's an old adage in our business one bet one buyer is no buyer you're kind of beholden to the buyer because they've got the money they've got they've got the time and of course they're going to set the terms and usually the the terms are going to cave in on you over time, usually. But what, what we do find is most deals, I, I say most, let's say a, a, a good half percentage of those deals happen without uh, an m a advisor. Well, the question we can all ask ourselves, if it gets done, and of course, many of them don't, but if it gets done, the question is, was it a good deal? And the truth is, you really don't know, because you haven't gone out to the market. And this is a big world. There's lots of money. There's lots of buyers, international buyers and you know, niche buyers all over the place. And so what we do is operate in a fashion where we can go out on a very targeted basis, measuring confidentiality throughout the process and bring about term sheets in a very organized professional fashion that, you know, turn into IOIs, that turn into management means, that turn into letters of intent, where we're you know, I like to talk about it. You know, I don't care if you're running a CrossFit gym in your in your basement or you're trying to sell a billion dollar business when you have the right kinds of people competing at the same time. It just brings out the best in us. And when you're talking about selling something, certainly you are going to hit valuation and you'll hit it hard and fast. But you also are going to start to deal with culture and the, the fit and management philosophies and vision and you know lots of elements that are more legacy, cultural-related re- than maybe just money, but it, ha- it happens to all of them. And when we when we go out, we're able to kind of organize and run that gauntlet with our client, minimizing the distraction for them because it's a very distracting, difficult process, both you know, the activity-wise and emotionally where we can kind of minimize that and as well make sure that we're talking to the right people at the right time to, because go back to where we started, you generally get one shot to do this. You just want to maximize your valuation. You want to maximize the options. That's what yeah. we're what I Yeah.
1: Out? I mean, I, I know I, I would never compare, but like selling a high-end home, you know, just to the first person that came and said, I want to buy it. I mean, not a, I don't think a smart way to go about it. Um, and I know that's a different world, different career. You know, what comes up right now is I'm thinking about you know i mean i have family that has a business that's five generations and he's very emotionally involved right it's it's a part of his identity it's his yeah. baby you're you're also dealing with you know people's babies right i mean this is a very heavy emotional process um i would assume that you get pretty close with your clients during this time
0: yeah it, it's a very emotional process often because um, we deal deal with a lot of founder-led family businesses, partnerships. These people have birthed these businesses and grown them to something that's a substantial basis. And those relationships and your self-esteem gets starts to get wrapped very tightly around that business. And when you start to think about selling, it, it's in a very, very strong emotional experience. And and of course, just selling. Uh, a business is difficult. It's a very difficult undertaking that'll have it'll that'll feel a little bit like a roller coaster emotionally. So there's gonna be top, uh, ups and downs throughout the process just intuitively through, as you go through that. But then you you wrap up the emotion that people experience with this idea of poss- possibly selling a business that they own. I, I I like to say, you know, clients that we often work with, care more about their business than their own children in many cases, but it sounds kind of weird to say that. So, no one really says it, but they feel it. (laughs) They feel it or it's real doggone close, let's say. So, it's a a very emotional experience.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, let's just say you uh, sell medical equipment and you're really good at it. It doesn't mean you're really good at selling a business. It's a different skill set that, you know, it might be a very intelligent CEO or owner or founder, but it's not like they've done this before. And then, like you said, one shot to get it right. Uh, I see the value for sure. Um, how long Leif, have you been kind of in this world?
0: Let's see. I think I've been here for an M a for the past 15 years or so. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so two questions, you can kind of hit one first or second, whatever, but how long do you think it takes like typically to get good and fluent, incredible in the business, I mean, how long did it take you? And I guess the a similar question is, what was the hardest part about getting good in the business?
0: Yeah, good good question. Um, well, you're always learning. I mean, even 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 today, and and I love that part about the business. It's kind of evergreen. You're always learning, growing, and developing, um, or you should be. Uh, but I think certainly that those first three years were choppy and awkward. Um, you know, you, you know, you just aren't quite in your groove yet. You're, you're, you know, you're still learning at a, at a, a very aggressive pace. So you're still kind of going through the, the learning the, the the ropes of the business and, uh, you know, creating value, of course you want to throughout, but the first three years I felt kind of, kind of awkward. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then what makes, I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I will, I, uh, what makes you good? Like, what are the skill sets? I, I'm sure there's different flavors and ways to do. You have competitors, friends that maybe are a little different or unique. What would you say the two or three characteristics that you think are really important? So if somebody's kind of interested in doing what you do and they're kind of looking in the mirror and thinking, do I have these qualities or these traits? What would you say the ones that you have have served you? Or you could answer it in a way of people that you've seen come into the business you really well because of X, Y, and Z.
0: Yeah. Um, well, well, I had I had a I had a background in the history. Maybe we'll get into it later that I think, quite frankly, served me very well. So I think, and, and there's all kinds of ways to do um, surveys and studies where you get self reflection. Uh, you know, one of my my greatest strength is influence. I have I have a good strong ability to influence people, and I, I think I have a you know perhaps a presence and a way to Organize my thoughts and speak to people that resonates, and you know that's you know kind of an affirmation that I've used for for decades. You know, people listen to me when I speak because I've got something of value to say, and when you say that from your core, and it's not just made up, but it's kind of who you are, you know, and you're and you're saying something of value, you 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 can influence, and and people are at a particularly important time of kind of a vulnerable time, and looking for someone that knows. What in the world they're doing? How to do it, and providing and a willingness to support them and care for them and surprise and, and give the guidance necessary guidance to do that. I think that has has played well for me. We also end up in 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 you know pitches and presenting ourselves in you know along with and against competitors. Um, I, you know I think again some of my background in presenting and being around leadership teams has
1: has played well there. Um. And by the way, I don't mean to cut you off. We will definitely go because I, I want to talk about what you did before, and we'll get into detail on that um, what about I mean what you're doing is you know, you have to read balance sheets, you have to understand cash flow. there's a lot of business knowledge too that you have to have versus just being a a, a good presenter
0: oh no no question so we're we're you know we 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 Take on a lot of information, develop marketing materials and, and supporting documents that we prepared to take out to the market and the ability to understand it, speak to it, um, uh, and tell us, tell a, a very effective story, perhaps a growth story. Uh, more specifically about not only what what kind of business we have currently, but what could it look like? What can it be? What is it growing into? And being definitive and being able to back that up with not just emotion, but logic is is, is paramount in our space.
1: So like if you're on vacation, are you the kind of guy that will read a Wall Street Journal? that You just want to read about business economics. Is that naturally something that you gravitate to, towards? I, I love it.
0: Yeah, I do. I do like that a lot.
1: Yeah, and I think that's really important to notice when Leif's talking is, you know, like I have a friend in, in my industry, and he will read till midnight, like anything he can get his hands on related to the finances and et cetera. And so it's one of those things, like if you're not really into it, and you think you want to be in this space, I, you might want to, um, you might want to think about that. So let's go backwards a little bit. I remember you were part of Pacific Institute, which was a major company that actually I, uh, I was, uh, I didn't work for, but I attended some of these seminars and I feel like a lot of your value and skill sets. I mean, they came from a lot of things, but speak to us a little bit about your experience there in terms of presenting, talking about leadership for businesses, executives, um, I think that seemed to be a perfect launching pad for what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily have thought that at the time, but it's interesting. So I, I, I um, really my first work out of University of Washington was with a group called the Pacific Institute. It was one of the kind of world leaders around kind of leadership development. What, what we did in essence was taught performance psychology to leaders, you know, whether it be in the military, uh, professional college sports teams, U.S. Olympic teams to certainly lots and lots of, of folks in, in the corporate world, again, around the world. Um, that was kind of unique and cutting edge at that time and packaged in a unique fashion. And uh, so so that was 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 f- great from a personal growth, personal uh, standpoint. And uh, frankly, over time because of our package that was around culture transformations, we found our way into a lot of m a, both pre-get ready to be sold, but many in many cases post integration. You know, I like to I like to kind of say it's the you know, the all the finance folks give each other a high five for the good work they do. And all the operations people say, oh, great. What how's this going to work? And oh, oh boy, you're going to give us 100 days to kind of get on plan. It's it's a chaotic time and it's a very disruptive in, in experience. And so we found ourselves into a lot of work in Fortune 500 and in large middle market companies doing post-integration so I was I became quite versed in MA, kind of in the back door instead of the front door is kind of what I like to think about it and saw what does this actually look like in the aftermath which was was, was very healthy and of course the experience I had with Pacific Institute you know t- working with in, in uh, leadership teams and executive teams and in boardrooms on a really on a weekly basis uh, was profound because not only are you having to grow but boy you learn a ton lean around a lot of, you know, smart and interesting people.
1: Right. Uh, My memory was I was in a bigger room with a lot of diverse people. So are you saying there you you would also take part and maybe your group would go in and and work with a specific company's management group?
0: Yes. Okay. We go work with specific leadership teams initially and oftentimes scale out a a consulting project for the company.
1: and I'm just curious like I remember the presenters you get up there and you have to be confident like was that a natural thing for you or did that take a while to cultivate
0: Well both both I mean I think I had kind of the the goods to deliver that but it's like anything it's 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 not quite assimilated until you know time there's nothing that quite a, quite quite beats time and experience to kind of you know find your get find your way into your comfort zone so it was a little bit of both but you know, I, I think public speaking or any kind of speaking in front of people terrifies most people, and I don't think anyone's really immune to that. You kind of grow through it as you as you're around it and involved in and doing it more often. So I would say a little bit of both. I I think I had some some things that were helpful in that space, but I also was having to grow like crazy.
1: You said something earlier about you know when you one of your skill sets as far as talking and people listen, you have something to say, they feel it. You know, when, what came up for me is like, you're just very authentic, right? And I feel like that's really important. Like, it, I don't know how effective you'd be selling Slurpees and paper clips because you're probably not really into that. But like, you were really into the curriculum and content at the Pacific Institute. And you're obviously really into what you do now. And I think that's something that's important to point out that, you know, if you're kind of not into it, and you're good at it, it's only going to take you so far. But just getting to know you over the years, I can tell like it's genuine and authentic for sure.
0: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I love it. I feel, I feel it's, a, it's a great honor, really. Um, and maybe I could peel back because you talked about the business. I kind of think about it kind of two forms. You have kind of a back office element where you're doing a lot of financial analysis, you're developing materials, and there's kind of an engine that's at work there. And then there's perhaps a little more of a client facing level activity. And so I, I have, because partly because of my history, I suppose, I found my way into a lot more of the client facing work. They're both important, equally important. Oftentimes as you're starting in the business, obviously you're going to, you'd be starting in as an analyst and developing the backbone of of the the business elements that are going to be so necessary. I, I, I kind of, Went sk- skip that a little bit given my work history and past history. Uh, but back to your question, I feel a huge obligation and opportunity to serve clients. We it's it, and I love business people, love, love, love business people, entrepreneurs, people that took risks, people that are making it happen. And I, I just feel honored to be in that space. And I feel for them to you know, spend oftentimes not only years, but maybe decades building up these substantial businesses and getting to a point where you have to start to think about exit strategies and being able to not only work with them, but be, you know, kind of aligned with them, be a partner with them in this season of our life and walk them through that process and do so in an effective fashion that gets them to higher ground and gets an outcome that everybody's not only satisfied, but hopefully ecstatic with. And, if we, of course we we are talking about big time dollars in terms of liquidity events. And when we do our job right, of course we intend to do that all the time, we should change people's lives, uh, financial lives. And not only frankly, because of the the size businesses we're dealing with, not just their lives, but really the family tree should pivot and change as a result of it. And I feel tremendously Uh, excited about the fact that we get to be transformative. We really get to touch people in a unique fashion that when we show up and do our job right, everything should change. Matter of fact, life should not be ever be quite the same. And and in a good fashion, it's gonna be a different way, but a better fashion, a good fashion, and and the ability for these families to seize the opportunity that maybe even their grandfathers embarked upon. Uh, and then they, now they have the opportunity to, to do it a little bit differently going forward with the liquidity event. But then they could perhaps put seed money and help their kids grow their enterprise and do all kinds of ph- philanthropic things. And who knows what they're going to do, but enjoy the fruits of their labor for sure.
1: So question is coming up right now. So it can take I mean, f- correct me if I'm wrong. It can take six months, a year, two years developing the relationship and then the process process. Um, term sheets going through the process is that is it typically you you have one relationship with the client and when you're done i mean is it often that you work with them again or is it kind of a one-time thing i'm sure that you're very good at what you do they refer you off to other business owners but do you get to work with the same client typically more than once or is it a one-shot deal most of the
0: time in kind of you know again the space that we call middle market uh, sell side M&A, it, it's one time. Um, and, and and but we do have serial entrepreneurs and, and there are folks that we've sold businesses. they of course they can't help themselves. so they start new businesses or already have a hand in one and we've come back and, and helped them sell uh, future businesses as well. We do that certainly that's that's more of a minority of the work. Most of the time it's guiding them through this this one-time event and really oftentimes it's a one-time event in their entire life. And it takes a long time. Uh, there's a time to cultivate the relationship and build trust and make sure there's clarity on the outcomes that everybody is zeroed in on. Uh, there's lots of discussion around valuation and buyers and multiples and markets and you know, all that. It's always kind of, we're always kind of pivoting and working our way through as we through the course of those conversations. But at some point in time, you, know, you plant, plant the flag and say, let's go. And when you go, it, it, it really is a process, usually a, a sell process of a business. There's time that it takes to kind of develop the materials to kind of get ready and get approvals from the client to make sure we've got the target buyers list all you know, laid out and clear. clear, And then the materials are accurate for, and are and, and really telling a go forward growth story. And. Then the process itself is is multi-stepped and it takes, uh, you know, the better part of, of eight or nine months to execute, fully execute a sales process. Some clients will say, can we do it faster? Can we just do it faster? And the answer is not really. And maybe, I mean, could you? Sure. But to get the best outcomes, it really does kind of take the process and the steps that we go through to kind of drill down and get the optimized you know, buyers, valuations, interest level, board support, approvals, financing, all that, that goes into these things to kind of make sure we can get across the goal line.
1: So I know there's a lot of steps from A to Z that are involved in doing what you do. And I know they're different, some are different, sometimes similarities. Is there, the question I have is, is what's the hardest part about the A to Z, the process? Is it is it building the relationship and the trust? Uh, I mean, or is it equal? All the steps equal. But I would think there's one thing in particular that might be more difficult than others.
0: There's always tension. And the tension is, you know, you got kind of two opposing sides. We've got a a seller that wants to max out the opportunity at hand. And you have just like any buyer, you don't have to buy a company, but you want to get the best value. Usually, you want to get the best deal. You don't want to overpay, certainly, for something. So, so we we have buyers that want a premium, let's call it, and sellers that I don't know that they want bargains. We're dealing with quality quality folks who they're, that have lots of capital and know how to value things, but they don't want to overpay. I mean, by God, we are not we're not in the business to overpay. So there's kind of this constant tension. And then what happens because it's it's such a long process? We're kind of walking our way through a forecast that we we publish, but yet now we're walking in and having to prove out. So uh, there's lots of things that can go awry that are outside factors that we have absolutely no control of, really very little control of, and that that's kind of just the nature of the business. The business could go get, could have some soft months, which cause buyers to hesitate. Uh, there could be, you know, debt financing challenges. We're experiencing more of that these days. Um, you know, there's there's lawyers that are be- be better at finding problems than solutions. There there's all kinds of things that are kind of kind of fighting, warring uh, at each other that have what sometimes feels like very little to do with getting an agreeable deal across the goal line. And so you're trying to kind of juggle all these pieces and all these balls, worth satisfying. Uh, the various elements that pop up. All the while, you've got a client to serve and a mandate uh, to execute. And that's job one. And that's really all the focus. But at the same time, you're trying to kind of manage these steps, parts, and pieces as you go through it that oftentimes have some tension tied to them. Uh, and, and sometimes you can't control elements of it, which, which maybe is perhaps the most frustrating. Is there's some things that are sometimes out of your control? And what you have to do is through that is, 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 is kind of client management. You have to manage people in their emotions and their experiences to kind of keep them saddled up and say, Hey, we will get through this. We, we can do this. Uh, This is not abnormal. We're going to find a way uh, to get this done. And, and, and that, you know, kind of overarching theme is really important to get deals, not just started, but most importantly, get done.
1: Yeah, I can see where the psychology background comes into play. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's really, uh, interesting. Is there something, uh, that caught you, has caught you off guard that you didn't see coming that you're like, you know, I know the first three years was a lot about learning and just kind of understanding the industry and now you're in it for a while, but is there anything you can look back and say, wow, I did not see this as part of this career.
0: You know, perhaps twofold you know I would say um I, I have I, I I feel uh you know we 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 certainly have peers and competitors and friendly competitors and the like I have a lot of uh, a high degree of respect for anybody that really gets deals done, not a deal, but just is in the business of getting deals done because business deals are hard. They just really are. I hate to be, you know, throw that out as a, a, a kind of a negative affirmation, but they're challenging. They're just built to be challenging. And so I've got a great deal of respect for for people to get that can get deals done. So my first learning is, boy, this is a tough business for one. You know, it's not, not to do it once, but to do it over and over and year after year and decade after decade. Uh, The the second thing is I learned and appreciate differently now than maybe when I started how rewarding it is. This is a great business, great business to be in because there's psychic pay value in terms of when you have clients in that they, they don't give you handshakes. They give you bear hugs. I mean, they really appreciate what you've done. And they've kind of gone through this and they don't know when they start what it looks like usually. But by the end, they, they, and we, of course, we shield them from plenty of it to go with it, but they start, they understand the the challenges of, of doing all this together. And you it's, it becomes a very intimate process. So the, the relationships and the invitations and the, the Christmas letters, and just the respect that I think people, clients give to you it, it, it is really rewarding. And I, I love that because that to me is, is what it's all about. You know, everybody wants to get paid. Well, sure, that's fine. But what I want to do is I want to make a mark in the world. You know, I want to do something that matters and and what we do really matters.
1: I, I, I hear you. I mean, it's, I can't imagine, like I keep going back to my family and like selling the business, like that's a monumental um, event and you're at the forefront of that. One of the questions I have that came up is, I'm a little confused and sorry to be kind of elementary about this, but investment banking, it feels like that's a uh, a term that can mean a lot of different things. Can you just kind of, because people are tuning in because we have investment banking as a category for you and you're on the M&A side, the sell side typically, can you just elaborate a little bit on the different... Maybe directions you could go within investment banking.
0: Yeah, it, it's a it's a very broad category. So certainly, there's you know bulge bracket firms, Wall Street firms that are doing M and A, and and you know if, if we can from hedge fund and asset allocation to doing true M and A type things that are oftentimes more like financial engineering activities. Um, and then you kind of go down a tier into kind of what we call middle market. That's always definitional, but it's usually gonna be with private companies of, of material size, where you are still doing, um, you know, in, in our space anyways, the sell side, or you could do buy side work just the same. I mean, there's firms out there that do buy side. That's all, like we do sell side, other firms could do buy side work, where they're helping find and identify firms to, for their clients to buy, as an example. Um, and then, of course, there's segments. We could be in, you know, debt financing. We could be, you know, just in capital markets. There's lots of, of layers to all this. And then, ultimately, uh, that you know, if you go down market, you know, you get to uh, kind of business brokers that are also serving an important part, but they're doing it with smaller businesses, restaurants, and laundromats and different things. And their model is completely different, where that is kind of more like a real estate agent, where you might be have a listing, put it on the internet, you know, hope somebody sees it there's certainly buyers looking for businesses like that so we play kind of in the middle of of of, of, of both of that uh zones from kind of wall street you know uh, investment banking style activities to you know brokerage type and we're kind of in the middle usually dealing with firms that are going to be often call it oh uh, in our space what we like to see is probably 20 30 million dollars of revenue up to about 200 250 is, is okay. where we find ourselves a lot of activity.
1: I appreciate that. And again, I don't mean to go out of bounds on these questions, but I have always been curious about that. And then I guess the, the other day I was listening to this really interesting podcast about raising money, you know, uh, series, you know, ABC, whatever. And they're talking about how it's going crazy right now in the AI world. Do you ever get involved with that kind of stuff or is that a totally different animal?
0: We get lots of phone calls, lots of interest, lots of people walking through our office interested in fundraising, raising capital. Uh, we, we do not do that. So, you know, there's 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 folks that do do that. That's not a space we, we deal with. So our, our kind of niche is going to be in profitable uh, cash flow generating businesses with good, solid customers and a, 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 often a, probably a pretty dialed in long history of success and those are the companies that we find ourselves working with not um kind of venture often not not venture backed as a result of that
1: okay um not asking at all what you make personally but can you just speak to the whole compensation model in your industry uh, my guess is it's and correct me if i'm wrong but um based on the size of the sale can affect your you make but is it a, is it you make what you like i would always say you eat what you kill in our industry you close a loan you help somebody you get paid you don't you don't get paid is it the same with you i mean there's is there a salary involved or are you getting paid when the deal gets done
0: well uh, you know uh, uh, there's different kinds of firms with different kind of compensation models of course Um, i think most of the time in the the space that we're in you'd have a salary and then a bonus structure, oftentimes a year-end bonus that was either kind of preset, or, or or might even be discretionary based upon the performance of the firm or personal contribution. So you know, uh, and 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 we're very much a performance-oriented, um, you know, not only firm, <coughs> but the the whole space is very driven around performance. And so while right. you, while you said eat what you kill, usually that's not quite the case, but it's very driven towards being accountable and being a performer. And what what performance means in our space is is contributing to deals. And whether you're in the back end of it or the front end of it, contributions to getting deals done cuz the lion's share of our revenue comes when when we when we close a deal, our client gets paid and we get paid. The more money they make, the more money we make. And we like to hit home runs and grand slams here at Liberty Ridge. So we you know, we want to do well, but we want our clients to do fabulous.
1: I love it. Yeah. Home runs. Um, I hit a lot of singles. I, I would like to have more home runs. I, I'm i yeah. jealous of that. Um, well,
0: so- I will say this, though, as a result of that, you know, running the business, it's a lumpy business. So it, it has its own inherent challenges, too. So, the, you know, home runs and grand slams are great. But usually there's that that leads to kind of a lumpiness of the revenue through the course of the year. so can these can be kind of difficult and challenging businesses to run because there's, it's also a business that you know there's times when it can be a little bit more difficult and the market isn't quite responding the valuations are down and, and we've, we're dealing not with businesses that need to sell they want to sell at the right time. They don't need they don't need to do anything. These are great companies. And so you can you can see how that can kind of be challenging from an operations standpoint too on cash flow. So uh, yeah, it, you can do well, you should do well. If you're good at what you do in investment banking, you should be paid handsomely doing it because you're creating tremendous amounts of value, millions and tens of millions of dollars of additional value to, to your clients. And and that's how that's how I, I like to feel is it, it, frankly if we do our job right it's free and that sounds kind of cute and maybe even trite but it's actually very accurate we do our job right we should in significantly increase the value where our 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 fee in the end is mitigated by the and then some mitigated by the value created
1: yeah I get it everybody wins and also you're a business owner right I mean it's yes. a little I mean. It's a different hat that you wear, right? It's not like uh, you could be just somebody getting a salary, getting a bonus based off performance, but they're not worried about paying the bills, um, all the P&L, hiring, recruiting. I mean, there's a lot of things, and that's really interesting, Leif, in my podcast, is I have a lot of people who are owners of the business, even very creative, like photographers, painters, uh, film score producers. So, they have this creative side, but they're also the owner of the business. And it's a totally different hat that they have to wear. And uh, I think it's, if you're listening, it's important to understand this. Like, you might really like what Leif does, but it doesn't mean you should own a business. You know, you might just be a really good contributor on yeah. Leif's team. So, um, people have different skill sets. You know, we're all a little unique in our own way. Are there different roles? And I, I bring this up because if somebody's listening and they're like, you know, I don't have the presentation skills or the likability factor. Uh, you know, holding space for people, and make them feel comfortable. But I really love what he's doing. Are there different types of opportunities for people who have different skill sets in your industry?
0: Oh, completely. And 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 there's a whole, you know, the the the, the traditional the tr- traditional path to get into investment banking. You know, fortunately or unfortunately, is usually you know these these. Bright sharp folks getting spit out of Ivy League schools, and are, are you know are wanting to find their way in the space, um, um, and and that's not always the case. But you know they come from a finance background. They're they're steeped in that, but they need more specific education once they get into business. So you know this is a, this is a corporate finance driven business. So your ability to, you know, run numbers and develop spreadsheets and develop a thesis and do the, the, there's lots and lots of research that goes on in this business. Uh, That is a huge important and value add element uh, a necessary element to what we do and is you know it's quite different than you know perhaps a client facing meeting when you know somebody's got to you know put their knuckles on the on the table and say hey this is this has got to happen and this has got to happen now i mean it's those are different skill sets and uh and and both of them are important you know they're both important and so there's there's a back end there's a back in and back office to every investment bank that is critical to how that business runs.
1: Yeah. I mean, every successful person I've interviewed has a successful team or group of skill sets. Even in my world of lending, there's a lot of people that are involved and, you know, quite honestly, they, they do the hard work. My job is, you know, I, I, I know people and they like me and trust me and I'm good at articulating things, but if I didn't have the team I had, it would be a different, outcome for sure yeah and that and, and by
0: the way the, the you know growing up and through the business is the best is the best way to get, enter investment banking no question so any chance you have at internships certain getting your foot in the door and getting some exposure and creating some value and relationships that is you know not just how you get into investment banking but perhaps many different industries but it it it, it, it certainly runs true and in, in banking it's it's competitive it's hard to get into but you got to get a foot in the door and you got to get some exposure and some experience and develop some, so you're develop your chops, you know, while seeing it at play at work.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I wanted, that was my next area is someone's interested, say they're getting a business degree at the university of Washington and they're, you know, a year out. What is like a recommendation? Is it a business degree? Would you recommend getting a masters? Um, you know, and then what, like, what are the best ways to like get into this world? Yeah, I think
0: business, degree of course, of course, I, I like psychology too. I think business degree in psychology would be paramount uh, to, to being, you know, as well-rounded as you possibly could be. But uh, yeah, business degree, accounting, finance, that is definitely going to be the avenue. Um, master, you know, getting an MBA is terrific. Uh, I wouldn't say it's absolutely necessary, but it's certainly value add. Um, but but I think getting internships, meeting with investment bankers, uh, reaching out to be, you, you know, there's you know I, know, I know this is probably not just unique. To us, but we get hit with so many uh, college kids looking for internships. So, you know, take the next step. Matter of fact, th- th- we've got an intern right now several, but one that that I told him, his name is Luke. I said, Luke, you were so close to being annoying. That's why I liked you. But he stayed after it. You know, he would reach out and then give me a little bit of pause and do it again. And, you know, he made himself known. And I appreciated that. And, and I think it, it, not only did I like it just kind of stylistically, but that's the kind of person that works in our business. Professional, organized, but dogged. You, got, you you the, you 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 got to have that in you or you're not going to be any good at this business
1: and yeah i love that yeah i mean this is a kind of stuff life that is gold you know this is a stuff that young adults or even if you're in your 30s or 40s this is a stuff the grit that you have to have and i i was kind of laughing thinking about when you were playing football at university of washington uh during a time where you know, one of the best teams in the country. I mean, I I have to think some of what you use in your life today, you got out of, you know, just getting beat up, knocked around, getting back up. I mean, it all kind of blends together, doesn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I I mean, I think that that's kind of become a hot topic now. Grit, Uh, Angela Duckworth's, you know, book, latest book and others. Uh, But, you know, where do you develop grit? You know, grit is a difficult thing to because it it's a muscle and it has to be you have to use it. And, and usually, you know, again, I come from a football background. It could be others, but football is great because it's a gladiator sport. It's a tough sport. It's hard. It's really hard. And I like to say that I gave the University of Washington blood sweat and tears. I mean, they got tears. They, I, I, I mean, I, there's points where I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard or you're hurt or all kinds of stuff is going on. And you develop a muscle called grit. And grit is something that if you could give to any college kid, what's perhaps the most important uh, tool for you to be successful in this new era, whatever that era looks like and becomes grit. You got grit, kid. You're OK. You're going to make it. And, uh, you know, to my own kids, what's the most important thing? Grit. You know, sure, you need to be smart. Sure, you need relationships. Sure, you need all this stuff. But give me grit and we get, we're we halfway home.
1: I love it. I, I mean, I don't know who it was. Maybe it's the same gal you referenced in the book. But they did a study about what is the one thing that separates the most successful people from others. And it wasn't intelligence. It wasn't, you know, where they were born or what college they went to, it was grit. And you know, I'm just thinking about all the times in my life that maybe weren't going perfect. And I'm struggling right now in, the, in my industry, it's tough, but I always fall back on grit and uh, it's always gotten to me where I need to go. Um, but I think that's really good advice. One of the questions I ask my guests is, what is some advice you'd give to somebody? And I almost feel like that's like the perfect response right there.
0: Yeah, I mean I I I think I think we always want to lean into personal growth. We always want to lean into personal development. Whoever you are right now should be different than who you are a year from now. I tell myself that. I need to keep growing, keep developing, keep learning. And I think if you can develop this kind of spirit of continuous learning, curiosity and be a goal setter be tough. Develop grit, and know full well that everything's not going to go perfect. Matter of fact, lots of stuff won't. Matter of fact, the more goal setting you do, the harder you lean into stuff, the more obstacles and failures you face. But but again, it doesn't mean it's always easy or always even fun. But that's when you're really you're really making it happen. You're pushing out of your comfort zone. You're leaning into stuff that used to be just ideas. And now you're trying to make them realities with some, some, some kind of execution. I mean, that's, that's the magic and it doesn't matter what you do, but if you're doing that, that creates kind of this sense of purpose, like you're developing and, and, and when you develop yourself, good things happen.
1: I love it. Uh, as we wind this down, is there anything that I didn't ask that you think is important for the audience to know if they're considering your career?
0: I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I think we've I think we've covered the basis. I I really like this business. I feel like like it's rewarding in a sense, and and I think that's maybe why I play in the middle market space because it's very personal. When you go again, we talked about kind of going up market. When you're dealing with somebody else's money, and you're dealing with kind of Wall Street, you know that is. And and we've got a two billion dollar client that we're dealing with, and we're having real time exposure to this right now a uh, little different client than is our norm, it's not emotional. It, it, they still want to make good choices. They still want to do diligence, but it's not personal. I love when it's personal. It matters a lot. And to me, when the stakes get really high because it's so personal, it's so wrapped around somebody's self-esteem and self-image uh, and their ego, That's it's harder. It's harder and more dynamic and more interesting and more personal. And I love that part of it. And then ultimately, again, as we've spoken, the aftermath when we do our job right is life-changing. And I think that to me is, is great. So I think this is a fabulous business to be in. It's a purposeful business. It means something. You make a mark in the world. And if you've got the, the, the skill set behind it and the training behind it, it's something that you know I think people should explore and look into.
1: I think that's, uh, I'm really glad you said that because it made me think how important it is And and this isn't something I think a lot of young adults think about. I think they're thinking about paying off debt. They're thinking about what looks good. They're thinking about, you know, money or whatever. But pay attention to who you are working and selling to or interacting with. You know, is it an is it a B2B business to business? Are you selling to VPs of marketing that you'll never bump into at the grocery store? Or are you selling to friends and family and neighbors, you know, B2C, business to consumer. And what Leif's talking about really is making me realize is like understanding, okay, you are in investment banking in MA on the sell side, but understand your your audience or your, your demographic or your client base. And is it a is it a black and white, you know, unemotional sale? Or is it a, you know, I mean, I think that's really important because you could actually Leif, work for a company that's not selling to mid size and where the emotional isn't there. And you may not have the same authenticity uh, and genuine excitement in that career. Correct.
0: I think, I think for me personally, it, it works better. I uh, just know my, knowing myself, um, you know, of course the fees get bigger, you know, when you go up market, that's kind of nice. But, but again, that's not what drives me. It's nice, but it's not that it's not what I'm most interested in. And so I like where kind of the space that we fall into.
1: Yeah, and the stickiness of Leif, like the value, the things that you uniquely bring to the table, they mean maybe more in your range of client base, right? So if you go real high, they may say, you know, Leif's the greatest guy in the world, and I feel I trust him, et cetera, but it may not mean as much, perhaps. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing it out there. Um, Last question, I ask everybody this. Let's just say investment banking is off the table. Uh, You can't go back and do... The Pacific Institute nothing like that is there a dream job like just and I ask this because it's always interesting for the audience to kind of. get a different flavor of my guests and and a lot of times people say well i'm doing it so that's not an option, but what is like a a dream job if you could do anything you're still young. um, I know you're really happy and content, but is there something that you think about.
0: Well, I haven't thought a lot about it you know, for those very reasons. Um, I would be a business owner. i would definitely be a business owner. I, I have found that you know that is kind of my zone of uh, genius, I suppose. Just as I'm reading the, your uh, uh, wall mount behind you, is is I, I like to I like to invent my future. I, I I'm I like that. I, I'm perfectly comfortable betting on myself. I would rather do that. And so God, I, I went it. into
1: business. I, I wasn't sure if it was like football coach with your football background. Oh, I'd or, love
0: to be a football coach. So let's put a whistle around my neck. That'd be good living. I, you know, being a teacher and a football coach that I'll tell, I'd take that. I'd take that for sure too.
1: I love it. I could see you being, and it, you know, you're young and who knows? Uh, I think you're, you're in, uh, I'm trying to think Seattle, but there's a lot of good high school teams around here that use a coach like you. Um <laughs> I just actually had a podcast the other day with the head coach of PLU. Oh yeah, and sure. it was really good guy, and he just brought on Hillary Butler on yep, his staff. I'm,
0: I'm aware of that. That's that's terrific. I, I saw Hillary not too long ago. He's thrilled and excited to be on, uh, on the staff.
1: Yeah, I bet. Hey, Leif, you're awesome. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I think you threw out a lot of really good information. Uh, tell us again the your company name one more time.
0: Yeah, company name is Liberty Ridge Advisors.
1: All right, cool. Leif, have a good day and thank you.
0: Yep, thanks, Dirk. All right.